Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 104. John and Wendy talk to David Kovakovich. I'm your host, John. And I'm Wendy. How's it going tonight, John? Wendy, I am well. I want to take a moment to thank Humoriso here at the top for sponsoring this episode. Hard to believe. We've talked about this before. It seems like we're in this going to be a never-ending cycle now. <laughs> it's time for the next monthly chat. Oh, it is. And, uh, you know, I am so excited for our co-host for this chat. It's the end of February, the end of Black History Month. And sadly, the end of the Black Blogs Matter writing challenge just the writing challenge want to point out that you can still use the hashtag still follow it so sarah morgan uh the buzz on hr on twitter is going to be co-hosting with us and she has some awesome awesome questions um and and we're gonna challenge we're gonna challenge our our chatters this time um talking about um intersectionality we're gonna be talking about diversity equity inclusion belonging keep adding the words to that. Um, But I think it's great. I'm really super excited um, about this. And we'll also get to talk a little bit about the Black Blogs Challenge with Sarah um, and all that she's done. Uh, I think this is the fourth year that uh, that she's hosted this challenge. And uh, she kind of said she's, it's time for her to move on. um, But uh, it doesn't have to end. So I think it's a great way to close out Black History Month for sure. I'm really excited when you when you mentioned that Sarah had approached you about doing it. I thought it was a very interesting topic for us, and yeah. certainly different from uh, the last one. Which uh, <laughs> pulling back the curtain, we had just we just had on mm-hmm. regarding HR tech implementation. Uh, yeah. Really appreciate everything that Sarah's done and and what she's done with Black Blogs Matter. It'll be a, a great conversation. For we sure. hope people will join us. We were talking about before we started. We are struggling to get to figure out how to get people to to remember the second and fourth <laughs> Sunday. Of the of the month, set your 7, reminders. Seven p.m. Eastern time, because I don't know how to do push notifications on Twitter. We'll figure <laughs> it out. But uh, yes, please join us then. Yeah. It'll be a great conversation. Please do. You said a great way to wrap up February. I'm really excited about tonight's guest. One of the few people we haven't met, but it seems like we've known him forever through right. social. So I, I'm going to let you make the introduction. We'll get started. Awesome. So excited to welcome Dave Kavakovich to the show. He is the Director of Business Development at BI Worldwide, a member of the SHRM social media team, and a presenter with the Northern California Human Resources Association. David, first off, thank you so much for the short bio. I love those. (laughs) Secondly, what's in your class? Um, Well, due to technical difficulties, I had to uh, scrap my previously planned beverage, but (laughs) it would be a Pliny the Elder from Russian River Brewery. Um, (laughs) That'll be waiting for me as soon as we're done. Nice. (laughs) Love it. I don't think we've had anybody talk about, other than if they're still at work, talking about what they're going to have after the fact. Right. And Pliny the Elder has not come up yet, so kudos to you, sir. Yes. Great call. David, I know we had a chance to visit a few weeks ago and, and talk shop a little bit. You know, how exactly did you get into the world of employee engagement and workplace culture? Yeah, I started my career in data protection, um, which was, uh, this was a very long time ago when that kind of whole field was just developing, but it was a lot of working with IT and a lot of legal back and forth. And the the company I worked for was great. I spent eight years there. I learned a lot just from the way of how to navigate an organization and, you know, all the things you do at the beginning of your career, which was fine, but it wasn't actually something that was 
engaging my passion. So um, needed to make a career change. My time had kind of come up at the company I was with and got a cold call for somebody who was um, hiring a director for an employee recognition program. That was 14 years ago, and we've evolved in a whole bunch of different ways. And I've been with a couple of companies in that industry since. But um, yeah, total makeover for me going from IT to HR, going from doing long, arduous legal contracts to technology that's built out on initiatives that help people get better at their job. So I get to do the fun stuff in HR, which is really great. Love it. Sometimes I don't know, man. Do the, the fun stuff. <laughs> I say the contract stuff sounds fun to me. Yeah. <laughs> I could hire you then. <laughs> David, what do you find the biggest challenge or challenge your customers are facing when it comes to employee engagement? Yeah, I mean, it's just evolved so much in the uh, 14 years I've been doing it. You know, there's a research side to employee engagement, but do surveys really work uh, or are we doing focus groups or study groups and how is that all work? And there's a, obviously a technology side to it and there's events that people do and it kind of depends on what the company culture is and where people are seated. You know, a remote organization is going to have a lot more people on a collaboration tool uh, or, a, or a social recognition tool. Whereas if you got a thousand people in one one place, it's going to be a lot easier to just pull everybody onto campus and have a big old event. So there's so many different arms to that employee value proposition. But the one thing I would say is with technology, we've got so many different technologies that we're asking our employees to use that handle a whole bunch of different things that are all kind of interrelated. And these technical suites have a whole bunch of different capabilities to them, but we only tend to use a few of those capabilities. So we've got an LMS for our for our learning library. We've got a CRM for tracking. We've got a collaboration tool might be embedded in the CRM. We've got an employee recognition, you know, kind of points or or pat on the back type of program that's on a different technology. So that's what five suites that we're looking at already. And the biggest challenge is there's so many of those that from a user experience standpoint, especially employees that are on the go, they just want something simple that they can get in, get a quick little blurb out to somebody or do a little bit of collaboration with somebody or shoot someone a nomination or shoot them a little social recognition thank you or go into their performance module and just be able to look real quick about what their goals are and to have some interaction with those goals. And so all of that, I feel like can be centralized. And, and all of it, if, if, even if you're using a few different platforms, there can be an entry way, uh, a middleware, a, an employee profile that sits on an internet where people can go in and touch all of those different platforms. And then ideally, if we can pull together points-based system that relates performance management with learning management and employee recognition and your engagement scores, then we've really got something going that's really nice. So the, the roundabout way of answering your question is... Um, Ultimately, what we'd like to get to is something that's a little closer to all-in-one so that we're not spending exorbitant dollars on a whole bunch of platforms that we're only using in a, in a real bastardized type of, of way to only do a couple of initiatives within the capability suite. David, how are you seeing across industries, you know, what are you seeing when it comes to finding that suite? You know, do you feel like people are trying to gravitate to that? Are they still kind of just piecing parts because... We see so much more of that across the tech perspective, right? In other words, it used to be year, it seemed like years ago you bought one thing and it did it all. Now it's a much more yeah. plug and play 
kind of system based on ease of use and whatever it may be. Are you, are you seeing people gravitating to that one platform or? Yeah, it's getting easier to do that. Um, and I think it's just a matter of getting around to it. And then I think the other thing is if you've invested a bunch of money in a, in a suite, you kind of don't want to put it to rest if there's something that can be done on another platform because, you know, it was a year long project implementing this learning management system and you spent a million dollars on it and you've got uh, 200,000 employees to, to get onto the site and to register onto the site and to adopt the site. And now asking them to pull back or pull away from that is a little less easy than kind of redesigning the process there. So I think the, I think the unfortunate thing is you've got anchors sunk in a lot of different seas, but bringing them all together, it while it it's easy enough, um, it's just been a challenge getting people to overhaul those things. Let's talk a little bit about an article you wrote recently. You wrote, I think, for your blog, and then was shared with Sherm as well. You talk, you wrote about the opportunity economy and really shifting when it comes to employer recognition, moving to a more individualized approach, and and seeing that with the customers you're working with. What advice would you give to HR practitioners that are working with their leadership teams that are trying to move to a similar model? That micromanagement is the worst thing that is happening in the workplace. It's the worst thing that ever has, and it's still around in some places. I think it's getting a little bit better generationally as as different people step into middle management roles. But uh, that that employee manager relationship is the most important thing that anybody's going to have in any job they do. And if you don't like your boss or your boss doesn't like you, it's a tough situation to be in, regardless of how much you like your customers and the other people you work with and um, the place where you are and the product you're uh, part of or whatever it may be, the cause you're working for. So what what I'm really looking at is is self selection of goals. So you may have heard of the SCARF methodology. You know, SCARF S C A R F stands for it's, it's different um, intrinsic motivators. But essentially, getting a, an employee to stack rank what's important to them. So some people are going to be more collaborative. Some people might be more competitive. Some people want to climb the ladder. Other people just want to be left alone. You know, having a better understanding of what those employees' motivations are is super important. And having an employee being able to select that is even more important. And then taking that manager to peer relationship and opening it up a little bit is what I think is ultimately going to be the savior for culture and employee engagement because people get burnt out because they don't like their boss and there's closed door conversations. And we always think that uh, performance reviews are going to go away. I mean, it's been a trend and we've talked a lot about it. And I think goal setting is more important than really, really structured performance management. But there still has to be some type of legal document that exists between a manager and, and people who work for them. So that still remains a little bit of a hurdle. However, I think if we can get to a point where a, where an employee can select their own path and they can dive into that path and their manager can be one of a couple of different people helping them navigate that, then we're getting out of the silos and we're getting away from those conversations that are just built on uh, captivity more than trust. And we just got to get to a more trusting place where managers don't feel like they have to trap their employees into following the rules. Because if that happens, people are going to do just enough to survive. And that's no way to lead your life in a, a an organization. So I think opening up that goal setting, opening up the performance management, allowing employees to kind of navigate their own path and course correct as they go, all of that stuff ultimately, I think, is the future of what will happen there, which then ultimately could knock the micromanagement out of it and get people 
collaborating a lot better. And ultimately, it, it's a better thing for managers, too, because it frees them up uh, to trust the employees that work for them, to give them the skills to ascend the organization. And every manager should want their best employees or, or all their employees to get promoted. And so if you have that system in place and people can plug into it, I think it's going to be really effective. I want to know how we get there. <laughs> That's, it that sounds was, great. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, hallelujah, pass the... Uh-huh. But, yeah. So how do, how do you how do you help the the managers get to that point? Because you know they've come up in a certain way, yep. and you know they this is you know we all hate the phrase the way we've always done it. Yep. But it's so true that when you have you know the manager that that brought you up that you've worked under, you're going to be a lot like them whether you like it or not. How do you help mm-hmm. people get into that new place of? That we're going to do it differently and it's going to be great. Yeah, there are certain people who are incapable of, yeah. of uh, I mean, it's just, you know, we talk about employee engagement from all the different systems that are in place and all the bells and whistles, but it really just comes down to human beings and how they interact with one another. And there are individuals whose approach to management rests in control. And those people are never going to be able to hop into a program like that. Uh, I think, the the way that it can work is 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 if they do try it out and it is successful and they figure out how much easier it makes their job then ultimately the trust factor or the fact that we feel like we're taking part of their job away from them is going to be more realized as no actually you're freeing me up to do a whole lot of other things and so you know the other thing is is employees should be free to navigate the organization however they want to. Do you want them to get burnt out and leave because they don't see a path? Or do you want to open up other opportunities for them? And maybe they're not a great fit for your team, but they might be able to work with somebody else in a different part of the organization. And if that person is a co-coach for them when it comes down to goal setting, ultimately then you, you retain a great employee, you find a different place for them. And then if the employee and the manager aren't seeing IDI, the, the manager would probably be fine with that anyway. You you cannot teach an old dog new tricks. There are certain managers I've had who would absolutely not be capable of that. But I think it's <laughs> it's it's more so going to be a matter of time and a matter of a little bit of change management. And then the way kids are being raised now and the way they're interacting with one another in high school, the, the social hierarchy is different than it was when I was going through high school. And I think ultimately there's a wave of change there that takes into account things like mental health and collaboration and the right of employees to be able to navigate their own success, that's going to start being mainframe in what we do in the whole world of employee engagement. And I think that's going to be really great to see. Uh, I, I like it. I like where, I like how you're taking it. Um, I'm going to say you, you can teach an old dog new tricks with the right treats. Taught my uh, eight-year-old dog some new tricks <laughs> this summer with some new treats. Yeah. But had to have the motivation. You had to have the right motivation for him because otherwise he was just like, eh, no. But I, I, you know, I think you're on, you're onto something there because it has to be there has to be the desire and the ability um, for someone to make that change. Um, if they're happy with the status quo, um, you know, we've all seen that. Though there are managers that they're managers or supervisors or whatever because they've been in the job the longest. Yep. Um, I, I like the direction we're going with getting people in supervisory and leadership positions who want to be there and other, other ways to succeed besides just being a supervisor. So love it. Love it. So how did you switch a little bit? How did you first get involved in the HR community when it comes to blogging and social media? 
Yeah, I was. I started on the social media team, the Sherm social media team, seven years ago, I believe, at, um, the beginning of 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Curtis, I was I was a vendor that went to different um, Sherm national international conferences and stood at a booth, and uh, all of the people on the on the social media team at that time were pretty much all former practitioners or small business owners. And so uh, Curtis Midcriff brought me in just kind of to display the um, exhibitor side of things or the vendor side of things when it came to uh, what we could do from the standpoint of being involved in bigger conversations about human resources. And so I had a very different job set and a very different perspective than most of the people on the team. And I think Initially, people were a little curious about what I was doing there or what I was trying to do or what my intent was. But really, it, it's it's just if, if we think about the vendor practitioner relationship and we think about it from a standpoint of, you know, I'm trying to, t- to sell you something, it really gets formalized and it really gets dulled and um, it's not effective. So what I was able to do was then sit in the room and listen to people uh, present at these big SHRM events. And I was no longer standing at an exhibitor booth scanning badges. I was I was sitting there with people hearing about the real challenges of their job. And it just completely enlightened what I started to do from the standpoint of helping people as a consultant in the HR space. So that experience really opened up for me, not just a knowledge of everybody who I was working with in, in HR from a customer standpoint, but a larger perspective on what the day-to-day stuff is. And then you take the commodity out of the relationship and you really start acting as peers. And it's been a revelation for me. And I've, you know, seven years later, still, still doing it, still participating. And, um, you know, it, it's more than anything, Wendy, just a knowledge sharing and a way of relating to people and a way of kind of meeting people where they sit. And I'm, I'm lucky to have the opportunity to do that because most people still think, um, scanning badges and giving demos is the way you build trusting relationships. And we all know that's not necessarily true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast is brought to you by our friends at Humoriso. Humoriso strategizes with companies to develop plans to manage talent, recruit for skill gaps based on employee inventories, assess markets for growth, develop long-range succession plans, and influence a culture of enthusiastic buy-in. They handle all facets of organizational development and provide strategic direction to their clients. Humoriso provides outsourced human resources services, including their flagship HRO plan, which helps businesses save money, increase productivity, and reduce legal risks by providing dedicated HR consulting for compliance, training, performance management, employee relations, workplace management, discipline, and other important HR best practices. To learn more and to schedule a time to speak with a Humoriso consultant, you can visit them at humoriso.com. Thanks again, Humoriso, for sponsoring the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. And now, back to the show. And we are back. Uh, Dave, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. Uh, this is the where everyone gets the same questions. So first question, what career did you dream of having when you were a child? I wanted to be a professional wrestler. Um, <laughs> nice! Yeah. <laughs> 
when when Hulk Hogan dropped the boot on the Iron Sheik <laughs> in Madison Square Garden, it changed my life forever. Um, I've oh. always I've always been a sports fan. I am a big fan of the theater and the combination of the two things there. Um, a pivotal moment in my life, uh, looking back on that exact match that turned everything around for me. So, um, unfortunately, I'm going. I, I I wrestled in high school, but left high school at about 145 pounds. So I was about a third of the weight I needed to be to be a hero in the World Wrestling Federation. But um, so anyway, I had to I had to leave that one behind. But that was the dream for me. That's a first. That is a first, and kudos to you, sir. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, I love it. Who's one person you've gained your network in the last year that you in, that you think more people should know? Uh, Ted Bauer. Do you guys know him? Yeah, he's, he's yeah. been on a few. Yeah, he's been on a few Knicks chats, and yeah. um, he's got his own podcast and and a blog. And I just he's got a very refreshing way of going about things. I mean, he leaves himself pretty vulnerable in social media, which I think is interesting. And um, he's he's kind of got a different way of looking at things and I've I've really enjoyed the follow. I think he's Ted Bauer 2003 on Twitter and he's got a really cool um podcast as well. Nice. I I don't think I knew he had a podcast. I'll have to check that out. Always always love listening to other other podcasters for sure. So Dave, a new HR professional asks you for one piece of advice. What do you tell them? I I think it's in every job, but in HR um you can be tactical and strategic at the same time. And I think there are so many people who are just really good at the nuts and bolts stuff that we're continually trying to get to be more strategic. And you don't have an, you don't have to have an MBA to relate to, you know, a sales executive, or you don't have to program in Linux to relate to somebody in IT. I mean, human resources, I do honestly feel is really important as the backbone of soft skill development. And it's just all about human relationships. And we tend to ask people to know everything about the people they're working with in order to get through the door of their office. And I just think, you know, where human resources comes in, there's a whole lot of stuff that people can do um, from a tactical standpoint that just bringing something to somebody that's going to help them do their job better. But the bigger part of it is just relating to people and, and getting out of the office or, or getting on the phone with people and, and letting them know that you're there to help and that there's a lot of different things you can do to make their jobs easier and where their core kind of oversight of what their department might be um, can be essential to what they need to do to succeed. There's a lot of things that the human resources group can do to help people develop as leaders through soft skill development. We just get way too intense about making people want to be these extraordinary extroverts or these people who know everything about every individual um, department in the organization when in fact, it's just all about getting out and talking to people, figuring out what they need and being a partner to them. Dave, how do you enjoy giving back to the HR community, your community at large? Well, you remember I I reached out to you initially about this podcast because I was missing the Knicks chats that we used to do once a week for an hour. Um, but that's still the main part where there's still a daily question there where I can go in and chime in and uh, give some people some advice or, or get some advice from other people and um, participating in the daily Knicks chat through Sherm on Twitter is the main way I'm staying involved. I do some presenting here for the uh, in NCHRA, which is the Northern California Human Resource Association as well. And there's mixers and things of that nature. But I just like the way that 
interacting with people on Nick's chat on Twitter is simple and easy. And it's a way to reach a whole bunch of different people in a whole bunch of different areas. And the opinions are really valid and it helps open people's spectrum a little bit. So that's still my area of participation. Obviously we love that. <laughs> it's fun. That's our thing. It is. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a great way to, to meet a lot of folks. So yeah. And if you need an hour long one, second, second and fourth Sunday of each month, we'll just plug in that away. <laughs> I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. Those, those Sundays tend to be long days for me, but I am. Uh, it, you know, it's, it's hard to find time that works for everybody. I'll, I'll just say that, but yeah. um, hopefully yeah, guys, one or a few of them you, you guys, can find. You guys have picked up the torch elegantly and it's, uh, <laughs> It's working great for everybody. Well, Dave, what is your favorite movie? Stranger Than Fiction. Will Ferrell in a uh, non-comedic role, but it's just a really awesome movie that's writing itself as it progresses. I don't know if you've seen it, but not super popular. I just love it from a writer's perspective because it's just so interesting to follow the narrative as it happens. It's been a while. Um, I haven't yeah. thought about that movie in a long time. How about your favorite musician or band? Well, this is a very difficult one for me, John. You know that. Um, I, am a, I am a fanatic of music. So um, if I could give you nine answers, I would. But you and I bonded over Ben Folds, who I love. I love the Weaker Thins. I love Fountains of Wayne. I love the Long Winters. I love a band called Four Stars from San Francisco, F-O-R Stars. Uh, but if I have to make a choice, body of work, all-time greatest uh, Radiohead is the band for me, just the extraordinary musicianship, the continual innovative way of doing things in the way that they've always challenged themselves. That body of work is extraordinary. And if there's any kids out there listening, okay, computer, put it on, listen to it. You have to listen to it about a hundred times to get it. But um, <laughs> if you ingrain that in yourself, your life will be a much, much better place to be. See, now that's where you should have said, you know, hey, Siri, hey, Alexa, please mm. go ahead and play. <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I don't know how to do that yet, but uh, <laughs> I'll have my son come chime in and help there me out at some point. How about a favorite TV show? Uh, the Joe Parra Show. Don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but he's a, a comedian mm -hmm. that's been around forever that does a show which is based in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, and it's uh, extraordinarily dry humor, but uh also incredibly heartwarming and, and just he concentrates on the very, very simple, wonderful things in life. And uh, it's on Adult Swim. It's a, it's a great show. Okay. Nice. Like you mentioned, Dave, we certainly bonded over Ben Folds. And when you told me you'd seen him 50 times, you, you take the crown, sir, because I thought I was a super fan. Mm -hmm. So there, I'm not even close. <laughs> there, there is a kid, there's a kid who works at the uh, pizza store down the street from my house and they've got a bunch of beers on tap and we always hang out there and he is moving from here in Northern California down to Hollywood to become a filmmaker. And his name is Steven. So Wednesday night will be Steven's last, Steven's night, in last town. night in town. <laughs> I, have, I have waited my entire life for this, for this event. Uh, and it is, it is all coming together. Yep. That's great. That is excellent. Well, if you're not watching stranger than fiction, not listening to Radiohead. Or, or watching the Joe Pear show, which I'm going to check out. Never heard of it before. What else do you like to do outside of work? I coach Little League Baseball. I'm on the education committee for the Phi Delta Theta fraternity. So we're, we're building content for uh, leadership and ethics development within um, the construct of that fraternity. 
And uh, I got a great 14-year-old son who I love hanging out with who is a musician who's doing a uh, Radiohead all-cover show through School of Rock here pretty soon. I watch my 11-year-old daughter play soccer. And I get to hang out with my sweetheart from time to time, who I've been with for 20 years and is the light of my life. So um, all pretty boring adult stuff, but <laughs> it's coming together, man. I'm stoked. I got it all figured out. I love it. That is that is fantastic. All right. Well, finally, it is uh, Dave Kavakovich Day all around the world. What are people doing to celebrate? Uh, it's such a fun question, and I, I guess I would um, answer it by saying I am not going to pretend I'm not a person who has had a lot of privilege in my life, and um, I, I wouldn't ever take advantage of that. So I'd say on Dave Kavakovich Day, I would defer to the less fortunate. And uh, if there were people out there who are struggling with mental health issues or addiction or uh, are just in a tough place professionally and can't seem to get through it, I'd love to just have my day be set up with mental health workers on every corner and a, a table to sit down at and an encouragement to everybody to sit down with those people and have a conversation with them and not to feel any stigma around it. And man, if we could start that movement uh the world would certainly be a better place. And a lot of the things we keep bottled up inside that hold us back uh, could get out of the way. And, uh, you know, I just, I wish the best for everybody who's going through a tough spot who might be listening to this. And um, hopefully the work I have done and continue to do will contribute to their ultimate happiness because they're as important to me as anybody else. Wow. That's awesome. Dave, again, we are so appreciative of your time and what you've done in the community and what you continue to strive to do. I'm guessing there may be some listeners though that, that don't know you or didn't know you before this conversation that are want to get connected now. What's the best way for them to reach you out there? Uh, LinkedIn, Dave Kavakovich. Um, I'm sure they, you, the name will be there. It's not the easiest one to spell, but that's probably the best place to find me. And then I'm on Twitter under the same name and you'll see me on, on chats and all the great stuff you guys are doing. And thanks for what you guys are doing because I know it's taken out of your personal time to to do these things for other people. And it's really important and really helpful, especially as all of the original chats we were on start to fall by the wayside. It's great that you guys are carrying the torch. So we're with you all the way. I appreciate well, that. We'll have it in, we'll have it in the show notes too. Wendy, what's the best way for listeners to find you out there? Uh, best way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com daily D as in dog, A I L E Y. And of course, we've said it a couple of times, but second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern time, you will find both John and I on Twitter as part of our bi-monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John? Real quickly, want to, want to thank once again the folks at Humoriso for sponsoring yes. this episode. As always, we really appreciate uh, partnering with us in that way. And as for me, there's a new way to find me. Yes. JohnThurman.com. <laughs> You go there, you can find me, you can find out the show, you can find everything you need. And so those that say yeah. it's hard to find me, you don't have an excuse anymore. No. JohnThurman.com. Finally. Finally. <laughs> yes, if you've listened all the way to the end, it's a new end of the show. Woo! Hey, international listeners, make sure yeah. you contact us. We do want Please. to send you a gift. Yep. We would love to to talk to you and, and connect in that yep. way. So if you are listening and you've gotten this far, shoot us a note. Yep. And if you're listening to the show, if you go to the website and look at the show, 
listen, rate, download, review, anything you do and everything you do to help us boost the signal. We appreciate. So Dave, thanks again for being with us. So for the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast, I'm John. And I'm Wendy. And as always, be sure to connect, give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody. We'll see you all soon.